I understand that Morehouse was able to pull in an Atlanta Falcon legend to be their head football coach, but that name recognition of the hire still didn't make the job seem more desirable to me. Oh, yeah, it's locked on, HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off, it don't mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusive. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app today. Create an account today and use the code LOCKED. On to get $20 off your first purchase, which you should also make today. Now we wrap up today's episode with a look at a unique partnership between the SEAC and then also Conference Carolinas and what that could mean not only for those two, but then also an additional conference. Prior to that, we'll look at Delaware State men's basketball. They had a four-game proven stretch, and they improved anything that they wanted to, but they proved a lot to me. Prior to any of this, let's kick off today's episode with a look at Morehouse College because they found their new head football coach. His name is Terrence Mathis. And if you're familiar with Atlanta sports, specifically the Atlanta Falcons, you'll know who Mathis is if you're old enough, of course, right? But this didn't make the job any more desirable. I understand that he's a big name and part of that had to do with why he was desirable to Morehouse. But I just don't think that this hire here made me feel like, oh, that was a desirable job. Obviously, it's been taken, is what it is, but I do want to address that. So this is one of the most well-known HBCUs out there, period, right? But I can't help but feel like the name brand of Morehouse is the only thing actually attractive about this gig. Also, the fact that it's a head coaching job, but that's a no-brainer. Now, they checked the boxes. You know, this has kind of been a running joke between Mason Smith and I because it was something I noticed. He asked me if I noticed. And ever since we've had that conversation, every single hire we've looked at it, and they've been checking those boxes. HBCU relation, relation to the city, right? Like that's just been a thing. He has both, but I just don't care. I'll go through them because they're worth the highlight. But I don't think that it it changes anything. Let's first look at the quote. Let's first look at the quote um, from the AD. And he said, I wanted a guy that was a local guy, and he provides more ties to the Atlanta Falcons. That is a good partnership for Morehouse College. I wanted to get a guy who had a name. Uh, my students understand that they are dealing with a professional, a guy who has some bumps in the road but still made it to the NFL. Now, I hear you. I hear you. And I get it. I 100% get it. 
and he checked those boxes. But this is nothing about Terrence Mathis. I want to break down his accolades a little bit later. This job didn't seem good. Who was the other person we heard up for this job? Hugh Jackson. Now, he didn't get the job. It seemed like a foregone conclusion when it was first said. I came on here and said I was wrong. Boy, do I regret that because now it's just out there, me saying I was wrong. But I wasn't. I wasn't wrong, right? And I don't know why negotiations fell apart. I I'm not sure, right? Maybe it was – maybe he didn't have enough ties to Atlanta. I, I don't I don't know. But the reason I bring up Hugh in this is because Hugh Jackson – was on his last leg. I don't care what anybody says. This was his last chance. I think Grambling was his last chance of being a head coach. But then you go get a guy who, hey, man, he's failed three times. He's failed three times. I don't care what the reasons are, and that'll be a common theme through this segment and the next segment. He's failed three times publicly at big spots, twice in the NFL, once at Grambling. Now he's going to the D2 level, which I don't think he had any desires of doing, but felt like he had to. Hugh Jackson being in the mix didn't make this feel big time. It felt like, ah, I guess I'll take it. You're going to get somebody that's not a desirable candidate. He just wasn't to me. And when I look at Morehouse in general, I wouldn't want this job. I want to be a head coach, yes, but if I'm being selective, I'm not selecting Morehouse. Look at how they did a former Morehouse student athlete. Like they did Wiltshire bad one year. And he he uh gave kind of that quote unquote expose letter on his way out of everything that was going on and how it was unfair to him. And quite frankly, when you're only there for a year and some of the timestamps were literal facts that he was giving out, it's hard for me to disagree. It's hard. It's hard for me to say that you're lying about this part when the other part that you're saying is like half and half. The other half is verifiable by timelines. I can look at when you were hired. I can look at when you were fired and know that you're telling the truth, that you didn't get enough of an opportunity as far as recruiting. So when you tell me they're not doing these other things that are conducive to winning, not even conducive. When you tell me that they're not supporting your initiatives to try to lead towards winning. Yeah, I don't want to be a part of that. Hugh Jackson. Sorry, it just screams we're, we're needing somebody. Let's just try to get a name in there. And the name is there. He said, I wanted a name, right? I wanted a name. And I understand that. But getting the name didn't make the job look better, you know? So as far as boxes go, he was able to check the relations to the cities of Falcons legend, right? When he retired, he was a leader in receptions, yards, receiving yards, obviously, and then also receiving touchdowns legend right great receiver for them it's actually where he was able to transform his career into being a wide receiver as opposed to being a return specialist that's great that is phenomenal good for him right then you also have the fact that he was a savannah state offensive coordinator for two years so he's not even new to hbcus or georgia hbcus but when i look at where he's been over the last couple of years he's been on the high school ranks Nothing about this screams big time higher other than the fact of the name brand of the school. Morehouse, period. Morehouse is the reason that this job is desirable to some because it's Morehouse. But when you look at the lack of success that they've had, the lack of faith and patience that they had with former head coaches or just a former head coach that was an alum, I would not expect them to treat me better than they treated them. That's family for real. I'm trying to get into the family. I wouldn't expect to be treated better than Wiltshire. Now, I would demand to. You got to give me more than a year, but that's not my expectations, and that's why that doesn't 
really piqued my interest. So I hope that Mathis is able to turn this around because my brother went to the house. Like, I want to see them succeed. And it's Morehouse, period. Like, who doesn't want to see Morehouse be good other than other SEAC schools? That's just not a job I would have taken. And I'll put it like that. Now, as you push forward, I want to look at Delaware State because they had a four-game stretch against four of the top teams in the conference, and they miserably failed that test. And we'll look at it as we continue with Locked On, HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. The big game is on the way. You know what the big game is. It's this Sunday, right? Everybody ain't going to the big game. I'm not. So maybe you want to sit back in your local area. You don't want to catch a flight. You just want to go somewhere not on Sunday, but maybe on the Saturday before, the Monday after. Maybe you want to go somewhere today. Maybe you just want to be impromptu. It doesn't matter. Game time is the place for last-minute tickets. So if you want to be impromptu, if you want to be spontaneous, then go ahead and do that and download the Game Time app if you haven't already. Now, if you are new to Game Time, then you'll get $20 off your first purchase when you use the code LOCKED. On. That's the code locked on to get $20 off your first purchase. And I know that this is a sports show, and I understand that we talk about sports all the time on said sports show, but there's more than just sports on game time. You can go to a theater show or a theater, uh, yeah, theater show. You can go to a concert. You can go to a comedy show. You can go through everything in between in your local area. All you have to do is look it up on the game time app. So go to game time, create an account, and use the code locked on to get $20 off your first purchase. I appreciate you making this your first listen of the day every day for your second listen. Make sure you're checking out Locked On Sports today. Subscribe to the show. It's the first of its kind, 24-7, all day, every day, sports network on YouTube. So go to Locked On Sports today and subscribe. Now, Delaware State is in the midst of a four-game losing streak. And that four-game losing streak came on a prove-it stretch that quite frankly, they didn't prove anything that they wanted to prove. This is not your normal four-game losing streak. See, the four games that we're looking at today are four games that I highlighted prior to them actually making or to them playing this game. Like, that's the thing. This wasn't just, oh, they're losing four games on a slump. No, this was, I want to watch how Delaware State performs over the next four games, and they lost every single one. So when I look at Delaware State's losing stretch stretch all it tells me is exactly where i should place them within the MEAC. and they're either the lower upper class so probably the last really good team or they're the best of the next class that's it that's where i'm placing them right because the thing about delaware state is when they started off the season they hadn't beat anybody they were 3 and 0 but they hadn't beaten anybody respectable. That's just that's facts, right? Nobody was respecting their 3 and 0 because the three teams that they had beaten were at the bottom of the conference. So it's looking here like, okay, that's your wins. Yes, I won't knock you for beating who you've beaten because that's who's on your schedule. But you got to show me more. And I think that teams who are not successful against other good teams tend to be upset about this this grading rubric that we have in sports. But it's consistent People don't want to hear it, but it's very consistent. If you are considered a really good team, we grade you 
by how you look against other really good teams. That's just facts. It's facts. We did it with the Dolphins. We did it with the Cowboys. I've seen people do it with the Lions. We do this all the time. If you do not look good against other really good teams, then we will not say that you are a really good team. And when we say look good, I mean win. So I don't want to hear that Delaware State was close. I don't want to hear about how they lost these four games in a row. Because once it reaches four games in a row against really good teams, context is kind of irrelevant. I'll give it to you because context doesn't go out the window. But context is slightly irrelevant when you start losing four games in a row against really good teams. So you enter this stretch 3-0, and the only undefeated team in the conference, at the top of the conference win-loss-wise. But in the minds of people, you are not at the top of the conference with anything outside of record. Now, I understand that's the most important thing. But when we're having conversation, it's not the end-all, be-all. We can feel like teams are better despite having a worse record. And I think that that is how many of us, at least myself and I'll just I'll just use myself. That's how it felt. So now you're going into a four game stretch versus South Carolina State versus North Carolina Central. Then you go on the road to Norfolk. Then you go on the road to Howard into that stretch three and oh, you leave that stretch three and four. What does that tell you? And I and listen, I get it. You lost on a couple of last second shots. Like you were close in multiple, you led at late in these games, but at the end of the day, you didn't finish and really good teams finish. Southern had to prove that they could finish against Jackson State and they did. You know why? Because they're a really good team and we'll probably look at them tomorrow or Thursday, right? Because tomorrow we have National Signing Day and it's kind of up in the air on what we're going to do, right? I don't know. I don't know what's going to come out of National Signing Day. So I can't predict that right now. But you got to be able to finish these games if we're going to call you a really good team. If not, you can just or or upper tier. If not, you can just be solid. You can be good, but you don't get to be really good. You don't get to be in that conversation with those other teams. Delaware State, if I'm being, you know, colorful and I'm not just looking at everything in black and white, Delaware State showed that they can play with the big boys but they did not show me that they deserve to be one of the big boys. And that's because they didn't win. You got to win at least one of those games, straight up, flat out. You got to win at least one of those games. I don't care if it's against Norfolk. I don't care if it's against Howard. I don't care if it's against South Carolina State. I don't care if it's against North Carolina Central. You have to win that game, point blank, period. One of them. And you didn't. And because you lost to all four, Bring question marks. Now, Morgan State being four and three now and winning two games back to back, that does make Delaware State's original three game winning streak look better because that means that you have beaten a team that has a winning record. It's the only team, but at least you've done that. And you competed against the upper echelon teams or the, the teams that are in that top four to five range. You're just six in an 18 conference. To me, that's the definition of middle class. Tournaments come around. It's not even just that anything can happen. You barely lost to these teams. You Rematches come around. You very well could beat all four of these teams, but you're going to need to win at least two of the four in order for me to give a little bit of respect and a little bit of, you know, quote unquote fear, right? Because I'm not playing, so I don't need to fear, but give me a little bit of fear that you'll be able to make some noise in the tournament. But until then, nah. Delaware State on a four-game losing streak. I wanted you to prove that you belonged with the best teams in the conference. And you proved something. 
just wasn't that. Now, as we push forward, I want to look at the SEAC and the Conference Carolinas because they are in an interesting partnership that I want to break down at further links as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, it's the big game. I want to know what you're doing for the big game. How are you celebrating? How are you getting ready? I know me. I'm going to get some good food. I'm going to give me some good people, and we're going to kick it, right? That's what I'm going to do for the big game. But what about you? You have any rituals? But who are you expecting to have a big game? Christian McCaffrey, Isaiah Pacheco, Travis Kelsey, uh, George Kittle, Patrick Mahomes, Brock Purdy, Nick Bolton. Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw. Like, we have some Legarius Needs or Davius Ward. We have some really good players in this game that could make you some money. I just named nearly 10 players if I didn't get the 10. Like, this is a really good matchup. It's the freaking Super Bowl. So put some money down at FanDuel. And if you put down a $5 bet and you're new to FanDuel, then you get $200 back in bonus bets. But the only way to do that is to go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to make every moment more. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day, every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that the SEAC has partnered up with Conference Carolinas to have a really unique situation at the end of the games in this or at the end of the season in football. And this is essentially a bowl game like they've essentially signed up for another set of bowl games. You'll take two teams from each conference and they'll face off. That's the bare, you know, just the, the bare bones. I think that's what they say It's the skeleton. And we'll build on to that. But bowl games are not something that you often see in the D2 landscape. It's just rare. It's not many times that you get to see that. But what really makes it cool to me is the fact that Conference Carolinas, they're new to football or you know, re- revisiting. They were gone for 50 years. For 50 years, there was no Conference Carolinas football, and now they're back as of last season, 2023. This feels like a good way to bring all of those new alums, right, maybe some Some of them just didn't get to play football, right? You've been gone for 50 years. There's generations that haven't seen football. There's kids who parents went to these schools and neither one of them got to see football until 2023. I think that this is a really good decision. And I think it ramps up excitement because you're doing something that's rare. You can sit here and be like, hey, there's not many D2 schools that are doing what we are doing. And that's scheduling another school or another conference specifically for a – for a post-game, post-season game. This is, when I say it's like a bowl game, think about it in FBS terms. You ain't make that four-team playoff, you go into the Orange Bowl, you go into the Rose Bowl. And in those bowls, you know exactly who is going to play because it's a conference representative from the same conference every single year. That's what this is. You didn't make the playoffs, the NCAA playoffs. Okay, that's fine. You go ahead and come in and you do your thing. We'll give you two, or we'll give you an extra game. Now, What's interesting to this or about this with me is that they're already a part of a bowl game, the SEAC. They have a bowl game with the CIAA. But that's in December. This is 
literally the week after the regular season. So if you're in a conference championship game, you can't be a part of it. It'll be the same day. Now, if you already have playoff dreams, playoff aspirations, you can't do it anyway. This is for two teams who are not going to be in the playoffs. They can do this. In 2025, the Seattle will host it. In the 2026 season, the Conference Carolina teams will host it. And it's not a neutral site. It's not, we're going to play all this in Virginia. We're going to play all of this in, in Alabama. Like It's not that. This is just simple and plain. These two teams will host a home game after the season. That's another unique twist from a regular bowl game. But when I look at the Florida Beach Bowl between the SEAC and the CIAA, it makes me wonder, will we ever see a team play in this SEAC Conference Carolinas partnership and then also play in the Florida Beach Bowl? Because technically, it's a month in between. The FBB was at midpoint of December. Meanwhile, this game will be November 18th, maybe, or November 11th. That's what it would have been this year. You can do both. It's a month in between. You could. It's just the decision of would they. Because if you don't, now the SEAC is in a position where they'll have three members of their conference, four really when you count the conference champion that's going to be in playoff contention. On a yearly basis for at least the next two years, you'll have four SEAC teams be in postseason play. That is extremely rare on the D2 level. I do wonder why the CIAA wasn't involved because Conference Carolinas is kind of geographically aligned with them a little bit more. But other than that, that'd be curious. I, that was something I would, that is something that I would ask. So I'll leave it at that, but that's really fascinating. So um, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. Tomorrow we'll look at national signing day in some capacity. I'm sure of it. But in addition to that, we'll look at all corns, well, we'll probably look at some swag basketball. So I think that's something we can definitely guarantee will be on the show. National Signing Day in some capacity, more likely than not. And then for sure, we'll be looking at some HBCU basketball on Wednesdays or excuse me, Thursday's episode of Locked on HBCU. In the meantime, between time, until next time we hear each other family. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.